What is true love? Uh, and, you know, if we're going to find out what true love is, let's go to the source. Let's go to a place that tells us the truth. Okay, you want to know what true love is? Let's go to a place that tells us the truth. Not tells us what we want to know. Not tells us what conventional wisdom says and what everybody else out there is saying. Where do we find the truth? God's Word. And God moved on Paul to write an entire chapter. We sometimes call it the love chapter. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 wrote an entire chapter there. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read some things, what God says love is. Okay, so God defines it. He says love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. I'm going slow here because I want you to get some of these. I want you to think about some of these. You know, in a few minutes, that slide's going away, and you won't see that anymore, so I want you to really get it, okay? Think about it. Love is not boastful. Love is not conceited. Love does not act improperly. Is not selfish. Is not provoked. Easily provoked. It's not easily provoked. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love doesn't do that. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, or like it, it puts up with all things. Love can put up with everything. Love believes all things, as in love believes the best about the people that it loves. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. And then Paul talks several verses about uh, about knowledge, about tongues, and that they will cease, they will pass away, but love never ends. And then verse 13, he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Everything else is going to pass away, but faith, hope, and love still remain. But the greatest of these is love. This is what God says love is. First of all, we need to look at this, and, and, and this is supposed to be a mirror. If we call ourselves you know, in the image of God, this is what we're supposed to look like when we love other people. Just like this. This it is getting on our toes just a little bit here, isn't it? Any, any, any words up there in particular that is like, oh, those are uncomfortable because I'm struggling right there. But, but let, me, let me tell you this also. Just If you are in a relationship with somebody, if you're married, I, hey, it, it's done. Okay, you've already, you already signed a contract. Okay, I'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, if you're in a relationship, you're dating somebody, you, you need to ask yourself this question. They tell me they love me, but are they patient? Are they kind? Do they keep records of wrongdoings, <laughs> you know? If so, then, you know, you might ought to start looking for somebody. Somebody says, this is what love is to me, and this is the way that God says, that's not love. And, yeah, you can still get married, and you can probably hang out and probably hang in there for a long time, you know, and maybe, maybe, maybe you know, 50 years together and all that and die, you know, still married to the same person, but it's, it's going to be a lot tougher if you've got someone that doesn't love you. So, so this is what God says love is. Don't settle for anything less than that. Go seek the best in those around you and also in yourself. Okay, now here's one of the struggles we have with love is we don't understand what love is because we use the term love for everything, right? Uh, when I was a kid, uh, there was a skit. I, I remember this. Uh, I, I don't know how many times I, I, I've kind of used it. It's, it's like this as an example. But I was a little kid, and my um, cousin, who's a little bit older than me, he was in the skit. He was, he was laying on the ground, you know, doing his homework. He kind of rolled over, looked up at his dad, and he said, Dad, what is love? I mean, 
I love my dog, Sparky. I even remember the name of the dog, you know, so I've thought about this over and many, many, many times. So what is love? I, I, I love my dog, Sparky, but I wouldn't want to marry him. Exactly. So we use the term love for everything, don't we? How many of you love a good hot dog? Yeah, yeah. Mostly men are raising their hands right now. Yeah. I love a good hot dog. But let me give you some advice, guys. In about 12 days, it's going to be Valentine's Day. When you go buy a Valentine's Day card, you take it home, you start writing in it. Do not write, I love you like an Oscar Mayer all-beef winner in a hot dog bun smothered with ketchup and mustard and sauerkraut. Don't do that because that's not what she's looking for. There are, di there, there are differences in the, these words that we use like this. Now, the Greeks, they've got eight or nine different words that we translate love. Okay, they have all these different words. We just say love. They're like, we love a hot dog, or we love our dog, or we love something. Let me show, show you just five of those words, because five of them really are kind of connected to Christianity. So, so let me show you these five words. The first one is storge, which is the familial love, like the, the love you have for a family. Okay, And that's, a, that's an easy one. That's a natural love. I mean, you know, you don't have to really work to love your family. Well, you might have one or two in your family that you're having to, to work at, right? But you don't have to normally, like this, uh, you know, somebody does something against a family member or says something about a family member, Storge is what bows up inside of you. Says, oh, wait a minute here. You know, that, that's storge, okay? And so we, we call it love, but it, it's storge. It's, it's, it's an affection that is natural, that is just there. Then there's philia, uh, the city of Philadelphia. That's where uh, the root of this, this word is. You know, it's a city of brotherly love. That's what philia means. It means brotherly or kind of like friendship type love. Strong friendship, not just buddies. Real strong friendship. Now, I know you guys, I know, you know, we, you know, our, our voices get real deep when we start talking about these kinds of things like loving other guys, you know, and we get a little nervous, you know, talking about some of these things, but we do, you know, think compadre. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what this is like, you know, really getting, getting tight with someone and, 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 you know, it's like, you know, I, I used to play golf. I hadn't played in over a year now, but I used to play a good bit and I didn't really play all the time because I like golf because anybody that played with me would say, yeah, he's not much of a golfer. It wasn't the golfing that I really went for most of the time. Most of the time it's just hang out, just have fun with some guys, you know? You know it's, it's kind of like I was saying last week about eating a meal, you know? It's going and meeting somebody for dinner or something, it's not about the food. It's about the fellowship. That's, that's what this Philly is, okay? And then there's Thelema. Now, Thelema is, uh, it, it means hot. It's where we get the word thermos from also. That's, that's the root of it. So it's, it means like passion. Okay, not, not, don't get ahead of me. You're not over there arrows yet. Not talking about that romantic passion, but passion. It's kind of like the hot dog. I love a hot dog. Okay, that's what we mean. I Thelema a hot dog, right? <laughs> and uh, it's not, it doesn't really mean love. It just means, oh, yeah, I crave, I desire, I want a hot dog right now. Or maybe chocolate or uh, ice cream or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know. And it seems like to me that we use this word mostly for our pastimes, our hobbies, and the stuff we like to eat, you know. Uh, maybe you love to shop, you know. You don't really mean you are romantically in, in love with shopping, or maybe some of you ladies are, you know, the way I see you looking in windows sometimes, you know. But you love shopping. You're talking about Thelema. I Thelema, shopping, you know. Uh, you know, I'm passionate about shopping, or whatever it is you're passionate about, you know, uh, college football, uh, fishing, or whatever it is, you know? So it seems like it's our pastimes and, and food and stuff like that that we use Thelema. Then we get to Eros. 
Eros is where we get erotic, okay? So it is the eros, it is the romantic, it is the hormonal love. But even this one we mess up because we make it all about hormones. We make it about the hormones. And, you know, and so when you, know, you start hanging out with that, uh, that boy or girl that you like, you know, and then all of a sudden the hormones kick in and you start feeling these, ooh, these, these feelings you know, that you hadn't felt. It's like, oh, I must be in love. You know? and, it's like, and so we even, we even relate the hormones to Eros love, and that's not really what it is either. So, so now all these things are like, you know, it's kind of like where you're born, you know, what family you're born into. It's like who are your friends, who you hang out with. It's like the stuff you love to do and, you know, and then those hormonal things, you know, and, and it's like, none of that is really love. The closest one is this one, the last one, agape. You may have heard that word before. And a lot of people say it's, it means godly love. That doesn't help me a lot because God, God is so big. I mean, you know, narrow it down just a little bit. Explain just a little bit tighter to me what agape means, you know. And it means covenant. It means to, to make a covenant, okay? Uh, it's, it's a covenant-type love. Y'all know what a covenant is? I need to tell some of you this so you, you don't mess up here in a few years. You know, here, it's like you want to buy a car. You go to the bank, you make a covenant. You say, I want you to give me the money to buy a car, and I'm going to give you some of it back every month until it's all paid out paid back. And so you sign at the bottom, you've made a covenant. Next month, when it's time for you to make that first payment, and you wake up and you don't really feel like making the payment. And so you don't do it and they call you the next day and it's not going to be all right for you to say, you know what? I just didn't feel like making the payment yesterday. That's not okay. You still have to make the payment or they don't come get the car. And so you make the choice you make a covenant, you make the choice to borrow the money, and then every month, you make the choice to write the check. You see, you don't actually have to write the check. They'll come get the car and mess up your credit if you want them to. But you make a choice every month to abide by the contract. You make a choice. Every, it's a regular thing. That's what agape love is. It is saying, I am committed. It doesn't matter how I feel. And, and, and I don't want to spend too much time here on the romantic part of it because I, 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 really don't, I really want you to look beyond just the romance today as we're talking about love. But, you know, it's like I don't get to wake up one morning and say, David, I, I just don't feel like being married today. You don't get to do that. You might wake up one day and feel that way, but you don't get to say, I just don't feel like being married. You know, I got a lot to do today, and David, you are not in my list, of, my to-do list of things to get done today. You don't get to do that. You made a covenant. You don't get to do that with a bank. You definitely don't get to do that with somebody that you stand before God and say, I do till death do us part. That's uh, in a couple of weeks. I'll try not to get to there too far. But that's, that's, what, that's what this thing means about covenant. It means I have decided and I'm going to keep deciding. You see, love is a choice. It's a choice. It is not what family you were born into. You know, it is not what friends you have hanging out with you. It's not what you're passionate about. It's not about your hormones. It's a choice. Love is a choice. And so let's kind of, let's kind of bring it home a little bit to us right here, okay? Love is choosing companionship over personal space. Now, we all like, or our private time, you know, kind of like personal space, private time. You know, we, we kind of like to get personal space every once in a while. We just want everybody shut up and go home, right? You know, we want that. But love says, sometimes I want that, and yet the person I love needs companionship. And here's a good example from this past week. A mom, this past Wednesday night, just any mom, whatever mom, she's had all of her kids in their house for 36 straight hours because of the snow and the ice and everything. 
And finally, she gets them all to sleep on Wednesday night. And she's like, finally. She goes, lays down and said, I'm going to have some time, just me, and we're, I'm going to relax. I'm going to get some rest. And then she hears someone calling out, Mama. What does she do? Shut up, go back to sleep. I got to have some personal time, right? Is that what it is? No. She rolls out of bed. She goes into the other room. She lays down, maybe in the bed, maybe in the floor beside. And she puts off her personal time just a little bit longer. Not because she wants companionship, but because the one that she loves needs some companionship. That's what love does. Love chooses companionship over personal space. Uh, love chooses friendship over getting the credit. I know lots of friendships that have busted up over people arguing over who gets credit for doing this or being that or whatever. But love says, no, I want my friendship. I, wanna, I, I value my friendship more than who gets credit for it. Love chooses forgiveness. Forgiveness. Y'all know what forgiveness is? You received it, so you're supposed to give it. You received it from God, so you're supposed to give it. Love chooses forgiveness over revenge. And I'm not just talking about revenge like I'm going to slip their neck kind of revenge. I just mean, you know, sometimes, you know, the games we play with people, I am not going to forgive you until you understand exactly how bad you hurt me. Amen. Ooh, we got quiet. But yeah, love, you know, think about what we're doing there. We're saying, I'm not going to forgive you until you hurt like I hurt. Love never says, I want you to hurt. Even, love never says, even though, because you hurt me, I want you to hurt. No, love never says, I want you to hurt. Love chooses forgiveness over, uh, you know, over, um, over revenge. And love chooses praise over envy. You know, um, the, the scripture we read just a few moments ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, said that uh, love rejoices with all things. You know, when somebody gets something good, you're supposed to rejoice with them. I know people that cannot rejoice with anybody. Somebody comes and, you know, says, hey, I had this happen this week or had a great, whatever. And they just can't say, oh, man, awesome, give me a high five. Or, you know, they can't brag on them, give them a thumbs up or anything. They're jealous. They always want the good stuff to happen. I actually even know people who want the bad stuff to happen to them. You know, like, they don't even get happy when, you know, it, it kind of sounds funny, but they kind of get upset when somebody else is sick. They want to be the sick one so that everybody's seeing to them and bringing them uh, chicken noodle soup and, and saying, oh, poor pitiful you. I mean, I know people like this. And they are sick in more ways than one. You know, they, and they, they're sick and you know, they do not know how to just have, have emotions and empathize with somebody else. And love chooses praise. Awesome, God. Awesome. It's like, it's like in marriage. And I'm trying to really stay away from marriage because I, I really want to keep us focused off marriage. For this message, because this is about all love, but it's like just in marriage, we're one. Guess what? If she keeps filling out those, those publishers' clearinghouse things and sending them in, and she finally wins one day, guess what? I win too, you know? <laughs> She's probably shaking her head no right now, and I'm not gonna look and see, but, <laughs> but yeah, if she wins, I win. You know, so why wouldn't I rejoice? You know, with someone that I am that connected to, you know, when someone in my life has a, has a win, it's my win too, because they're my compadre. They're my friend. They're my family. They're one with me. So, so that, that's what love does. Love chooses praise over envy. Uh, love chooses peace. 
love over, uh, I'm sorry, over being right. And how many of you, oh, don't raise your hand. You have to be right. And even if you're not right, that one time you're going to be right, you're going to make sure they know it. And they may go to bed mad and angry, but they're going to go to bed knowing that I was right. And so you won, right? Nope. You won the battle, but you lost the war. Because you, you destroyed the peace over being right. You destroyed the peace over saying, I was right. I was right. Had, had to be right. Love chooses peace over being right. Love chooses intimacy over control. Okay, guys, this is another one of those words that we're a little uncomfortable with, intimacy, right? Yeah, uh, don't understand what this means, though. Intimacy just means an intimate. You know, it's like when, when somebody you can talk to, you can share your feelings with, you know? Like that. And, and, and here's what happens to us, though, is we, we build these walls around ourselves to, because we got to have control and make sure nobody hurts us because I was hurt one time before. You know, if you get hurt, if you've ever been hurt, really, really, really hurt, and if you've ever been hurt two or three times, you need to look around because you have probably, you have probably allowed or even done it yourself, built walls around you that you didn't even know you were building. You need to look around. You need to make sure because that's what we do is we, we got to protect ourselves. I'll never let... But you got to. Love is vulnerability. That's what love is. You make yourself vulnerable when you love and you let somebody love you. You make yourself vulnerable. You set yourself up. And yes, you're going to get hurt. I mean, I love that quote last week. You remember that quote in the video before the sermon last week? It says, life is messy. If someone's not breaking your heart, you're not doing it right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's true. And, and so you just live in your cubicle and nobody ever loves you. You don't love anybody because you've got control. You're protected. Love chooses intimacy over control. It's a choice of love over selfishness. And just about every one of these things is what this is. It's, it's a choice of love over selfishness. Every one of those things is, you know, is pretty much selfishness on one side and love on the other side. That's what love is. It chooses. Love chooses us over me. Not, not, not just this us, but if I love my church, love chooses us over me. L love chooses to make us better instead of just me be better. I want my church to be awesome. I don't want to just be known as the awesome pastor of the church. I want my church to be awesome. That's what love does. Uh, let me explain this. Five last little things, and th this one leads real, real well into this, is that love edifies. You know what edifies means? It means build up. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1 says, knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. Knowledge makes arrogant, puffs us up, but love edifies. You know, like you could, you could say this morning, oh, pastor, man, you really bringing out the Greek words today, man, awesome, pastor. You really, you really got, yeah, and you say, man, it sounds good. Can I tell you something? There are websites now. You don't even have to go to school. You just go to the website and type in a word, and it will say it out loud for you. You can just practice over and over and over. So you think that just because somebody knows how to pronounce a word, yeah, but that's what we do sometimes. We say, yeah, look at me. Not, love doesn't build itself up. Love builds others up. Our greatest example of, uh, of all of this and love is Jesus Christ. And he did not come to exalt himself. He came to exalt his Father and then to lift us up to be with the Father. He, he, came, he humbled himself to do that. Love edifies. Love is time. It's, it's, it's like it's the commodity of love. It's how you spend love. It's time. You know, if somebody gives you their time, you need to treasure that. You need to appreciate that because it's their greatest possession. You can always make more money. You can make another $5 this week. You can make more friends. 
but you can't make more time. And when somebody gives you their time, they're giving you the, 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 the most treasured possession they've got. They are giving you something. They're giving you, they're operating in a God realm when they give you their time. And, and it's so easy. I had a man after the first service talk to me about this on the way out the door. He said, Pastor, you got me with that time thing. That's it. He said, I talked to you about that before, remember? I said, yeah, I remember. And he said, how do we fix this? And I said, you know what? Every day, you have to make the choice to make the time for the ones that you love. And sometimes, it's like just the other day, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking, man, I need, I need some time with Brooklyn and Colin. I just shut the computer down and said, this is going to sound fun. I said, come on, who wants to go to the dump? I know that doesn't sound like a big deal to y'all, but to a three and a five-year-old, I mean, the dump, yeah, yeah. I got to find my shoes, you know, and we got we to gotta, go to the dump, you know. That's all. Awesome. Throw those bags of trash off the back of the truck. Yeah, and I just shut down the computer said, let's, let's go to the dump. And we went to the dump. You just, you just got to, again, make the daily choice. Where's our example? Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus, uh, he was ministering, and uh, people started bringing their kids to him, and the disciples said, oh, no, 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 he doesn't have time for all these little kids. And Jesus said, let the kids come to me. He picked them up, put them in his lap. He blessed them, and then he talked to everybody about the kingdom of God. He took the time. He gave the time. And how much time? He had three, he had three years of ministry on this earth. He had less time than every one of us has to bless other people. And he stopped and, and I, I preached a sermon one time uh, about interruptions. I said, that was Jesus' life, constantly being interrupted. On his way to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, and the woman with the, with the issue of blood for 12 years comes up behind him and stops the whole procession, you know, and he's got to stop and minister to her. And stop. His whole life was interruptions, but he kept giving of his time. Uh, lo uh, love is, is connecting. Love connects. Love is a connection. That's what love does. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like in ministry. A lot of times we like to do arm distance ministry. You know, anybody can write a check. We can all write a check and send it somewhere that somebody needs, needs blessing. That's, that's not love. Uh, you know, um, I see these pictures. I've seen them a lot of times, and uh, you might be starting to notice them after, after I say this. But uh, of people, uh, it's like... We, we all like to be in pictures ministering to those who are less fortunate than us, right? But you ever seen those pictures? You see the people. I mean, I see them, and sometimes I chuckle a little bit, and sometimes I get so angry I just want to reach in the picture and just strangle them to death. You know, but it's kind of like they're in the picture ministering, and somebody's going to take their picture. I'm like, well, make sure they see that I'm with the church. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I, I see pictures. It's, it's, it's almost written on their face. I don't want to be seen as one of them. You know, I want to minister, but I want to make sure everybody knows I'm not homeless. I got a good job. Uh, let me show you the, my key fob so you'll know, you know what, what kind of car I've got. Yeah, we want ministry at arm's length, but our example is Jesus Christ. Remember the scripture we read last week? It's several verses why I didn't read it again this week. But it says that his very nature was God. He wasn't God-like. He was God. Yet he set aside his title, his position, his throne, and he came here and he lived and he walked in the middle of our junk and our dirt and our trash and all of our problems and not at arm's length, as one of us. Love doesn't keep score like whose love makes 
other people feel equal, even those less fortunate. Love makes people feel equal. Um, and I've got love connects. Love meets needs. Got to hurry here. But Jesus was all about meeting needs. And, and I know you, you sometimes here, here's what, what we do is, is uh, we see a need and we start thinking, do I have enough money for this? Do I have enough money? You know, can, I, can I do this? You know, I, I see a need. That's not what lo- love doesn't say, do I have it yet? Love says, there's a need. I'm going to go find it. So I have it. I mean, come on. If you've got, if you've got kids, and your kids have a need, you don't start trying to figure out if you've got the money. You start trying to figure out how to get the need met. That's what love does. Love says, i got to meet a need. Love says, there's a need. i got to do it. Our example is Jesus Christ. His whole life was about meeting needs. He was constantly about, about meeting needs. He was constantly connecting with people, constantly touching people. I mean, Jesus was a toucher. You know, did you know that? Jesus was a toucher. I mean, he was always touching somebody. I mean, he's touching a guy with blinded eyes, you know. They brought a, a, a little boy to him that was full of devils, and he fell on the ground and was writhing around. Jesus reached out. You know, everybody else was running like, oh, my goodness. They're making space, you know. And Jesus reaches down, takes him by the hand, lifts him up. And Jesus walks into a dead girl's bedroom. They're not supposed to touch dead things. Jesus reaches over and grabs a hold of the dead girl's hand. And some of you be freaking out right now, too. You know, you go to fun- some of you don't even like going to funerals. He, he reaches over, takes a little girl's hand, and raises her up. They walk into the city of Nain one day, and there's a funeral procession coming down the road. Jesus walks over and touches the casket. And everybody goes, oh, because you're not supposed to do that, Jesus. So now you've got to go do all the ceremonial washing seven days. You've got to do this and this and this and this, all these other things and everything. And Jesus, he's not worried about that. He touches the casket, and he raises him up. Jesus was a toucher, and he calls us to be like him. And I know some of you say, well, I'm, not, I'm just not a toucher. I'm just not a toucher. We're called to be like him. There's power in touch. And the people who are hurting the most need a touch more than any. A touch says, you're not too dirty for me to come close. A touch says, you're not too low for me to love. A touch says, you're important to me. Think about it. You know, when somebody introduces you to someone else, and that person that you're being introduced to stands like this, they don't offer a hand or anything, you're thinking, awkward. Wonder what's up with them today, you know? It is. I, I, but that's, that's why we need, we need touch. We need to be touched. We need a handshake, a pat on the back. And I know some of you are huggers and you're all over us, you know, okay. And, and you know, just let's find a happy medium if we can for some of that. But uh, everybody needs to be touched. I'm challenging you right here. You know, a handshake, if nothing else. A pat on the back or something. Everybody, need, don't, 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 don't minister at arm's length anymore. Let me wrap this up r- right here. Here's the last thing, is that love is sacrificial. And sacrifice means, doesn't mean doing for somebody. It means, it means undoing for yourself so you can do for somebody else. It means taking something from yourself so you can do from somebody else, for somebody else. That's what sacrifice means. It doesn't mean just doing nice. It also means you have experienced some cost so that somebody else can have something nice. Where's our example? 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. This is true love. Okay, we started in 1 Corinthians. We're ending in 1 John, sprinkled in some word all through it because that's the truth right here. Not what I think, not what you think, not what everybody else thinks. Here's the truth, and here's what he says is true or real love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Get this. Let's focus here for just a minute. Just, just, just this last one little point. 
Understand what Jesus did for us. I, I, I know we get that he died for our sin. We see, we see this sin and we say, okay, God, God, you know, he can't really connect with us because we've got sin in our life, you know. He can't bless us because of sin. And so he, he gives us his son to wash away the sin. Okay, yeah, that's it, but it's deeper than that. Because remember who the sin is against. The sin's against him. So God is the one who has been wronged. He's been disobeyed. He's been rebelled against. He, he, he's been, all the promises we make to him that we break, we do all this against God, and then God says, you've done this against me, but I'm still going to pay for it, and I'm going to pay for it with the very best I've got, my own son, Jesus Christ. That's sacrifice. And that's what the Word of God says is true love. The one who is wronged pays with the best that he has. You know, here, here, here's, here's where we find out what love is really all about. Love is not all these things that we've kind of conjured up and we've seen in movies or we read on Hallmark cards. We know what love is because we're Christians. And we have embraced forgiveness that was won by the life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why you and I know what love is. That's why. That's why. That's what it is. Get a grip back on it again. Amen. I asked Beverly to leave this on the screen on purpose. And I kind of had it built where, you know, the whole thing could kind of just all be up there because no doubt some of this got on your toes today, right? You don't have to say amen. You just <laughs> but some of, this, some of this is something, where's it at? Circle it in your mind. Yeah, I got to work on that one and that one and that one. And I want you to think about that for a moment and I challenge you. Valentine's 12 days away, but we make it all about romance. Did you know that, that, that the guys that Valentine's was named after, there were several guys named Valentine, lived back in the 4th and 5th century. You know the guys it was named after? That it, it, it was almost a thousand years later before we started romanticizing Valentine's Day. And so now today, that's about all it is. It's just all about me and my sweetheart. Okay, I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to take anything away from your sweetheart. But I want to remind you, it's about more than that. It, it, that's, what, that's what it was all about. And it was, the, it was these, it was these uh, uh, religious men that were doing this. And it was because of the heart of God that was in them. So let's remember, there's a lot of people in your life that you're supposed to be loving on. You know, Storge. You know, and Philia. There are a lot of people around you that need your love, need a touch, need a connection. I challenge you. For the next 12 days, that's all you got left for Valentine's, you know, 12 more days. I challenge you, ask God, show me somebody I need to be loving better. I got a, a family member, a best friend, a, a somebody, a co-worker, a classmate, somebody, and ask God to touch them through you. I dare you. I dare you. Become the greatest.